This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. In the last service that we we just finished, I, I finished the message and went down and and there was a family waiting, and I got to meet them. It was the first time I got to meet them. And uh, they said, we wanted to talk with you before we left. And, and I, I said, okay, what's going on? And they said, we want you to meet. And they, they introduced me to their daughter. And uh, they want, we want you to meet our daughter. And I said, well, it's so nice to meet you. She said, they said, we want you to understand uh, she's going to heaven because she heard a gospel message on Victory 91.5 that you preached and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Come on now, let's celebrate that. Amen. And so those who are watching, maybe you're watching on our television show or watching, we just we want you to know God can touch you right where you are, right there also. Well, open your Bibles, the book of Daniel. We've been in there for the last couple of weeks. The book of Daniel, chapter number nine. Daniel, chapter number nine. I want to bring you a study that we're in the middle of. And today, I'm going to be dealing with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The second coming of Jesus. Somebody, numerous people said to me, if you want people not to come to church, announce your preaching on the return of the Lord. That doesn't match up somehow to me. We ought to be excited about the return of Jesus. But how many of you know that things are not going to be great when he comes back? Well, they will be for us, but they're not going to be great. And there's going to be some confusion about this. And this is really important because I believe that when God speaks to a, a to the church as a whole, you can kind of see a flow of, of, of commonality of sermons. Uh, what I what I mean by that is uh, nowadays we we have to finish our message in enough time to get it out to the technical team, and the technical team can then get the slides together, and and so you're finished days in advance, and and, and then you kind of see where other churches are are going uh, after you've got your sermon ready, and you go, wow, they're preaching the book of Daniel too. They're preaching on end times too. Uh oh, God might be trying to tell us something. How many of you want God to talk to you today? Amen. All right. Father, open your word to us. Change our hearts. Change our lives. Make us like Jesus. Help us, O oh God, to be the righteous children of God that we've been called to be. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Daniel chapter 9, I, I'm going to bring you throughout this whole passage. I want to actually uh, ask you a very important question at the beginning of this message. And I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Now, when I start speaking about Jesus coming back, people have to ask, uh, well, when's he coming back? How do we know if he's coming back? And this book is full of revelations. And I believe that we can study ancient revelations that will give us an insight to what's lying ahead of us. And this is so important. It's so necessary that we figure this out. 
And we're going to go here into Daniel. We're not going to go to verse number two, right, to start with in this service. All three services have been different. All three services have God's been speaking to people differently. But I want you to find this in your Bible. I want you to study this. And I want to deal with you about what, how God was dealing with my heart. As a matter of fact, I've left my, my sermon notes down there. I've got a few slides here, but I've left my notes aside. And I just want to break this down from how God is speaking to my heart today to share this with you. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24. Okay, now this gets a little confusing. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 24 says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, wait a minute now. He said there's going to be a period of judgment over sin, and then there's going to be establishing of righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. The most holy is speaking of the Messiah. And he says, know this and understand. This is important. He said, "This is you need to get this. I'm going to give you a time. You see, we want to know when Jesus is coming. Let me just go ahead and tell you. How many of you remember the book back in 88, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88? The man made a fortune on 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88. Everybody went to work uh, uh, that day. So many people didn't even go to work. Uh, People went to school the day before. I remember I was in school and people went to school and said, well, I probably won't be here tomorrow. I'll see you later. And that day came and that day went. And that dear pastor released another book and said, I was wrong. Here's 89 reasons he's coming in 89. Come on now. No man knows the day nor the hour, Jesus said. No one knows the day nor the hour. We do not know when he's coming. But here the Lord says to Daniel, he says, now know this, therefore, and understand. I'm going to give you a day and hour. I'm going to give you a time. I'm going to help you understand something that maybe you haven't seen before. Know this and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build, rebuild Jerusalem. Okay? Know this. From the moment that you get sent back out of uh, exile, they're in Babylon in exile. He says from that moment until, watch this, Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. Now, this is important. He says, from the moment they say go home, you can count this out, and there's a way to figure that out, and we are not, we don't have really enough time to show you how to calculate those things out. Well, there'll be this many years, and in this many years, then the Messiah will come. That's why the wise men said, they said, hey, there's a star. There's the one prophesied. You see, watch this now. It took somebody from outside to come in and tell the people who were inside, you are looking at the wrong thing. This is important. They missed the birth of the Messiah when they were told it will happen in this year, on this day. They missed it completely. So we're going, when's he coming? Watch out. He told them when he was coming the first time, and they weren't ready. So, let's read on. He says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. 
And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a, with a flood until the end of war and desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now let's stop there in verse 26 for just a moment. Some of you are going, oh my goodness, he's talking about prophecy. Stay with me just a moment more. I want you to get this. He said, I'm coming. They weren't watching. Then they said, and at this point, on this date, you're going to kill him. Now look, if you're killing a guy that claims to be the Messiah, and it happens to be on the exact day that the prophet Daniel prophesied you're going to kill the Messiah, don't you think you ought to put two and two together? That maybe, I mean, he's the Messiah. Don't you think maybe somebody who was studying the word probably should have said, let's wait for tomorrow. But to the day, to the hour, can I just tell you, God has a master plan and it's working for our good. But to the day and to the hour, Jesus was crucified and died. Then he said, and after that, they're going to come into the city and they're going to tear the whole city apart. And that will happen. Jesus himself said, I tell you, every stone shall be torn down. Every one of them shall be broken down. You see, we're wondering, when's he coming? When's he coming? And he says, look, the first time I told you this is the day I'm going to be born and you weren't watching. The second time I told you this is the day you're going to kill me and you did it anyways. So why should I tell you the day I'm returning just for you to miss it again? Now hold on a minute. Why did they miss his birth? Why did they miss his death? Why did they miss the fact that Jesus came like he said he would, he died like he said he would, he rose like he said he would, and why would we miss it today? Because we suffer the same thing they suffer. Watch this now. They got their eyes off of the Messiah, and they got their eyes on doing all the right things that they thought they needed to do to be their own Messiah. Because if I live in just this way, if I, if I made it to church this week, step one, yes. Come on now. If I read my Bible today, step two. If I, if I gave my tithes this week, step three. Oh, I'm doing good, doing good, doing good. I, I, I didn't curse this week. Woo! And I'm ready now. And you see what happened was, you're going, Pastor Don, where did that come from? It comes from the pharisaical law that they lived under. They created this law that said, if I wash my hands enough, if I bow enough, if I wear a certain outfit, if I act a certain way, then I'm holy in myself. And when you get to looking holy in yourself, you miss the whole image of what God's trying to tell you. That God's trying to tell you, you'll never be able to do enough to earn enough because what happens is this. You end up with so many things you're trying to juggle, trying to keep it, that you realize that you're not perfect and you realize that you're constantly failing and you're constantly struggling and before long you don't feel worthy to even lift your hands in praise to a God who nailed his hands to the cross for you because you're not measuring up. Preaching truth. Because you're flawed just like I am. 
All humanity is flawed. And we get our eyes on trying to, to do the juggling thing, trying to keep everything moving, trying to keep it all together because it really all depends on me. But because it depends on me, then there's a problem because I cannot do anything about my state. I cannot change who I am. I cannot fix my world. But because of Jesus, He can change me from the inside out. He can renew my mind. He can change my spirit. He can take a man who was bitter and battered and turn him into somebody who's able to love and declare the praise of God. Why? Because He's a God who meets us in our leprosy and he touches us and he makes us whole and he makes us new. But the problem is, if we knew the day nor the hour, we'd miss it anyways because we're too busy juggling our own religion. So we have a problem. So when is Jesus coming? And are you ready for Jesus to come? Well, Daniel chapter 9 gives us a really, really good View, but I need to tell you, if you're juggling your own salvation, you're not ready for Jesus to come. It's called a dramatic pause. I'm letting that sink in. Now get this. When's he coming? How can I be ready? Well, he's already told you, anybody who tells you that Jesus is coming this way Can I just tell you the best thing to do for them is don't buy their book. Don't waste the money. Because Jesus himself said, even the Son of Man doesn't know the hour. The fact is, we have to become solid in this generation. We learned that in last week's message, that we have to be solid, rock solid in this generation in a way that is not turned from one side to the other, that just because of what's happening around us does not change who we are. So where are you going to find that? Well, Daniel chapter 9, verse number 1, gives us a clue where we can find this. And the clue is this. It's very simple. He says, it was in the first year, watch this now, it was in the first year of Darius the son of Xerxes of the lineage of the Medes who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So we have a time period. We can go back in history and find the different time periods. Now, this is important to us because it lets us know where Daniel is in his life. Daniel, at the, this point, when Darius takes over, I want you to listen to me carefully, he's 80 years old. 80 years old, and he's been serving God since he was a boy. 80 years, God's brought him through. He saw his friends come through the fire. He's come through the lions. 80 years old. Look what God has done for him. Look what God has brought him through. Look who God's been. But do you know what Daniel is doing at 80 years old? He's still prophesying. He's still praying. He's still dreaming dreams. And watch this, he's still studying the Word. I'm just going to lay this out for you real plain. If you think you have this book understood, you are in trouble. All right, my specialty is in English Bible translation. That means that I have read almost every single English Bible translation available cover to cover. 
And last week when I was preaching to you on Daniel chapter 7, I went, never saw that before. You see, I don't care how many times you've read it. I don't care how much you think you've got it all figured out for the kingdom of heaven, that you will be like Paul who started out saying, I'm this, and he ended up saying, oh, I'm nothing. I may not be who I think I am yet, but he's working inside of me, and his word is what's going to make the difference. And I know that he's studying the word because look at verse number two. It says, it was in the first year of Darius' reign that I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. He says that God's word, I'm studying God's word. As a matter of fact, I'm studying God's word. I'm studying the prophet Jeremiah that it would be 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. It would be 70 years. This is important. Super important. He says, I'm Still looking for God's answers. Can I tell you, we will always be looking for the answer to when Jesus is coming. And I do not know the day and I do not know the hour, but I'm going to give you some definitives about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. Daniel says, I'm studying something super important. And it relates to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the teaching concerning the rapture that we're going to try to settle in this place today. This is important. The teaching concerning the rapture is uh, that, that Daniel was dealing with, that Daniel was talking about this, this end time. It's here's where we are. I want you to get this. He said, I'm studying the fact that Jeremiah said it will be 70 years. Now, what is that even important to you and I for? What does that matter, matter to us about? Well, you have to understand why Jeremiah said it will be 70 years. Jeremiah said, this is super important. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Jeremiah said it will be 70 years because there were two schools of thought during the day of Jeremiah. There was one main prophet, Jeremiah, who said judgment is coming, judgment is coming, and it will last for 70 years. There is another prophet who is also looked at as a main prophet, and his name is Hananiah. And Hananiah makes this declaration. He says, oh, stop your worrying. Stop listening to Jeremiah. Stop being worried about the long-term effect. Thus says the Lord, it will only be two years. Two years, and you're coming home. Two years and things will get back to normal. It'll be quick. It'll be expedient. It'll be fast. Now, hold on. What does that have to do with us about anything? Because the people started celebrating Hananiah because they wanted a gospel that said, you're going to escape the judgment. You're going to escape all of this stuff. They wanted a gospel that said that you're go it's okay. You're going to be uncomfortable for a little time, but you just want your life to get back to normal and you've only got two years. Now, listen to me. Two years to some of you is like, oh my gosh, two years. But time is relative. Time is relative to the amount of time you spent under this sun yourself. And to me, the other uh, yesterday, somebody was talking about a young man who's 18 years old, about to graduate high school. And I said, there's no way he's about to graduate high school. It was like last year, his mom walked in and said, I'm expecting. Now he's 18 years old and time has moved so quick, so fast that I, it's blowing my mind that this kid, this baby's about to graduate high school because of the, the relativeness of the time. I've been here long enough that it, it just seems so quick and it seems so fast. And so most of us are trying to figure out what do I need to do to get my life to quickly get back to normal? Oh, let me bring it even more 
more practical for you here. What's it, how much longer do I have to have this mask? How much longer am I going to have to deal with it? I just want my life to go back to what it was before. Can I tell you something today? That God is trying to clean His church up so that we could understand it's not about our lives going back to what it was because we had been cut, we have become comfortable with things that the righteous children of God have no business being comfortable with. God's not wanting us to try to get in a hurry and get back with some popular escape theory that says, oh, everything's going to turn overnight and everything's going to be all right. No, God's working for a church to be ready and washed in the blood and to have their garments white and pressed and ready so that when the King of glory does break the clouds, we're not running in terror, but we're standing there with our arms lifted up, declaring that he is the King of glory and he comes in the beauty of his majesty. Amen. This is important. I want you to get this. For Daniel says, hey, stop trying to escape the same way that Jeremiah said. It's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. As a matter of fact, I want you to buy a house. Don't rent one. I want you to watch this. He says, I want you to dig a vineyard and plant it. I mean, vineyards take a while. He said, I want you to build a garden. To eat out of. Watch this. And I want you to pray and bring peace and prosperity to the city. This is important. He said, I want you to stop thinking when are we getting out of here and how can I bless the city? I want you to stop listening to those who say, Escape mentality. And I want you to say, for such an hour of this, God put me in this place. Babylon was a horrible city. I'm preaching truth to you today. I want you to get this. Babylon was a horrible city. Babylon was a city of debauchery and witchcraft and sorceries of all kind. But in that city... There was a man who was just a boy who arose and came into power and he said, I will not compromise who I am in God. He affected his three friends, Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Mishael, and those four became ambassadors of the light of God in the city of Babylon. Three of them would face a fiery furnace and those three would come out the other side of a furnace. One of them, Daniel, would face a lion's den and he would come out the other side. And in both times, you listen to what I'm about to tell you, in both times, the king would declare there is no God like the God of the Jews. There is no king like the king of the Jews. Come on now. I want you to understand. God didn't put them in the city just so he could get them scared and get their attention. God put them in the hour that they were in in the place that they were in so they could stop looking for an escape and start looking for a way to bring God glory so that the world might know and the kingdoms of this earth might declare the glory of our God and the glory of our... Can I tell you who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about some ancient God or some statue on a wall. I'm talking about He that was dead but now is alive forevermore. He is the King of glory. His name is Jesus. And why don't you give that kind of God a praise today. Amen. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves? 
Let me hurry quickly, quickly. 17 verses, Daniel chapter 9 has one of the longest prayers recorded in Scripture. Wow. Some of you just, you feel like you're related to them because whoever you ask to pray at your family meals goes on forever. He repents, and in his repentance, then he declares dependence. Listen to me. God is looking for a church that will repent until we declare our dependence and we stop trying to juggle our own faith and we realize it's only because of Jesus that we stand. Verse 19, as quick as I can get there. Verse 19. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. If you don't know what to pray for this hour, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing in this hour, there it is. This world, this nation, this community, your family needs somebody who says, God, would you hear me? Can I tell you what's going to happen when you ask God to hear you? You're going to think of all the reasons why he shouldn't listen. And then you're going to repent. Lord, I know you shouldn't listen to us. Because our houses resemble too much the houses of the people who don't know you. Our conversations resemble too much the conversations of the people who don't know you. Am I preaching truth? This is truth. My addictions are the same as their addictions. Oh, Lord, would you forgive me so you can hear me, so you can move for us? You see, we're fighting battles that we don't have to fight because the battle belongs to the Lord. But the greatest battle that we have to fight is to stop trying to juggle our faith ourselves and become dependent upon the Lord. So is Jesus going to return in a moment that the church calls the rapture? Well, this is important. This, this is important. What Daniel says is there's going to be end time moments, and these are some clear things we can see. Now we understand we don't know when Jesus is coming for his second returning, but he says these are the things we can see, and we can see that God's not about an escapist mentality. Wait a minute, the church has been preaching that for years. And now there has arisen a, a cohort of voices that say, well, there, nowhere in the scripture is the word rapture even mentioned. This was a teaching that began in 1934 with a young girl who... The catching away of the saints is the proper term. It is as old as the prophecies of this book. We can even find clues here in Daniel chapter 9. But the problem and the reason for the argument is twofold. When a church just wants to get out of town instead of staying and blessing the city until they worship the living God, something's wrong. But also, just because the word rapture is not in Scripture does not mean that rapture is not in Scripture. Let me explain that to you. 
The most popular verses are out of Revelation, the gathering of those to wrath, the gathering of those to joy, those popular verses. But Thessalonians is the most popular verse about the catching away of the saints. When the Lord himself shall descend out of heaven with a shout, there shall be with the voice of God a trumpet blast. And whenever I preach this verse, I always wish that I had somebody somewhere hidden with a trumpet. Easiest altar call I'll ever give. But that the Lord himself shall descend out of heaven with a shout, and the voice of God, and the trumpet shall blast, the dead in Christ shall rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him forever in the air. Now people say, now look, that never implies rapture. That word rapture is never there. And I said the problem with that is you don't understand the definition of the word rapture. You missed it. If I say to you prodigal, you are a prodigal. Okay? Mitchell's like, don't talk bad about me. Well, prodigal does not mean anything derogatory. Prodigal means overboard and excessive. Now, you and I, we, we, we broke bread together. You can keep up with me. Come on now. Amen. Overboard, passionate about life. That's why we say you need a prodigal father to win a prodigal son. It, so what that means is somebody that sin great needs somebody who has, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Prodigal means excessive and abundant. The word rapture does not mean catching away of the saints. The word rapture means, listen to me carefully, the word rapture means, watch this, exceedingly great joy. But you just got to, let me express this to you. I have seen exceedingly great joy. I have been to this restaurant called the Melting Pot. <laughs> and when they bring that fiery chocolate and set it down in front of you on the table, can I get an amen from anybody? <laughs> Exceeding. Great joy. I was with one guy and the look on his face, I said, I don't even need to eat to know it's delicious because he's, hallelujah. That was rapturous. So where's rapture in Thessalonians? You've missed the whole picture. It's not in the shout. It's not in the trumpet. It's not in the dead rising. It's not in the catching away of those who are alive. It's the statement that says forever to be with the Lord. What is my joy? What is the hour I'm looking forward? I do not know the day and I do not know the hour, but I know who I'm looking for and his name is Jesus. I'm not looking for streets of gold. I'm not looking for gates of pearl. As a matter of fact, though, I just, or if I were to ascend to heaven, if Jesus were not there, it would not be heaven. I am not looking for those things. I'm not looking for the brush of angels' wings. I'm not looking for those uh, beautiful rainbows around the throne. I'm looking for the one who sits on the throne, whose eyes eyes are like fire and there's a sword of anointing that comes out of his mouth and he walks with authority. That's who I'm looking for. His name is Jesus. Can you tell that when we're with him someday, that's rapture. That's rapture. The rapture of the church means to be with Jesus. Amen. So the question is, should I want to escape 
Well, I'm looking for Jesus to come. I really, truly believe nothing is holding him back. Some of my theologians just went, well, brother, argue with a wall. It listens more than I do. Listen. <laughs> I was waiting for my wife to say amen. <laughs> Listen to me. I will be with Jesus. I know not the day nor the hour, but I will tell you and you mark my words. He will not take the church until we have blessed the city the way he's called us to. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, as I close today, is very important to us. This is what we know is going to happen. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. But there's a passage in Daniel chapter 9. That is extremely important. This is important. Verse number 23. From this translation, it reads like this. At the beginning of your prayer, beginning of your supplications, the command went out and I have come to you. Speaking of Gabriel says this. Gabriel says, I've come to you. Listen, he said, from the moment you started praying, from the moment you started praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you that it was for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of the vision. Now listen to me. Listen to me as I close. This is super important. Stop looking to get out of Dodge and start becoming a person of faith who blesses the city. Rock solid and strong. But Pastor Don, I'm worried about the mark of the beast. At the rate I'm going, I'll probably preach on that in a few weeks anyways. Pastor Don, I'm worried about the bowls and the trumpets and the vials. Can I tell you, uh, you know what? We're already seeing some serious things happening. Ray back there has been rocking my theology all year. Listen to me. This is important. The hour may be bad. But at the moment you call on the Lord, he will send me to you, for you are precious to God. Let's not argue eschatology, the study of prophecy. Just because you don't understand a word doesn't mean you should attack someone else. What we need to do is realize There's going to be tough days ahead. In the last days, perilous times shall increase. There will even, as it were, be a falling away of the saints. There are going to be tough hours. God is wanting to remind us of who we are to Him and how He sees us. And that no matter what's happening in the seas around us, and no matter what point He's going to return for us, He loves you too much to let you be destroyed. That the moment you start calling, He starts heading your way. So when's Jesus coming back? We know not the day nor the hour, but I believe it's soon. But this I do know. 
when the church really needs him. Hell couldn't stop him the first time. And it will not stop him this time. Stand with me. The question is simple though. Are you ready? If a trumpet were to blast, would you be gone? I know this sounds silly. But I would love to have the ability to have a trumpet blast and have some kind of a mirror thing set up to where I just disappear on the stage. Easiest altar call I would ever give right there. Boom. But I don't. All I have is this gospel message I preached to you today. He loves you. He will not forsake you. He died for you. He is after you. What he's doing in this hour is making his church ready. And he will continue to make us ready until we bless the city. Until the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Maybe you're at home watching and you need to take a moment and bow your heads right there. It may seem a little awkward, but invite your family to do so with you. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Are you ready for Jesus to return? Stop trying to escape. Start blessing the city. But you'll never bless the city until you allow him to let you know clearly who you are to him. I'm not going to embarrass you, and I, this service is about to be over. But I must ask you today, if you're not here, you're not ready, or you're watching, you're not ready, I want to ask you, would you join me in faith and call upon Jesus to be your Savior today? Would you make yourself ready, not by juggling a religion, but by believing upon the blood of Jesus Christ to wash your sins away? Without anybody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to call you from where you are. You can come forward if you want. But if you're not ready and you want to know Jesus as your Savior today, you want to become ready, I want to see your hand right where you are. If Jesus were to come, thank you, thank you. Are there others that will join with these two that raised their hand? Thank you, these three that have raised their hand. Are there others? You want to be ready. You want to know. You want to know you're ready. You're ready. Who will join with these three? This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. This is it. This is it. Waiting just a moment more. This is your day. I've embarrassed these. I'm not going to embarrass you. Pastor Don, I prayed a prayer. I... No, 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 I'm not talking about what you've done. I'm talking about what, what is. Are you ready? Does your life line up with living for Jesus? This is it. Anybody else? Today's your day. This is your moment. Maybe you're chiming in online. This is it. Today you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you. All right, listen, we can't join hands nowadays the way things have turned out in our environment. So I want you to join your voices as loud as possible. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart 
that God raised him from the dead, that we would be born again. And so today, this is your hour. This is your moment. And for these three and those watching that are, have it signified that they want to know Jesus, this is it right here. We're going to pray with them. I want every voice in this place lifted as we join together and pray this prayer of faith in Christ. Come on, pray with me. Jesus, by faith, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. In Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I receive your grace from this moment forward. All that I am, all that I will ever be, belongs to you. In Jesus' name, I now declare God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Now come on, give God some praise. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.